celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And Judy has booked another humdinger, if I might say so myself. Tippi Hedren will be back on with us, of course, Tippi. The great actress from well, the birds. Oh yeah, ask your dad. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about <laughs> that. The birds. Outdated reference, uh, but of course, uh, Melanie Griffith is her uh, offspring. Yes. And Melanie Griffith used to hang out with these. Really, big... I didn't know that. Yeah, don't you yeah. remember the pictures of her hanging out with big tigers? Or they used to have a big. Uh... No, it was a, it was a lion. They used to have a big lion, Neil the lion. And there was lots of pictures circulating with Melanie actually sleeping in the same bed with yeah. a lion and hanging out in and doing homework. Mm-hmm. A big thing that Tippi Hedren now regrets. And, of course, she's been on the show. And, in fact, we had the honor of uh, broadcasting live from her uh, sanctuary. Oh, what was that, 2003, four? Yes, it was so awesome. She took us on a tour of her house. And her bedroom was Surrounded, she had a chain link fence around her bedroom because it was actually on the preserve. And the she actually had a liger, which is a cross between a lion and a tiger, yeah. that came up to the window and would just purr and chirp and stuff. So you're standing there in her bedroom looking out the window, and there's this huge <laughs> face of this liger walking around. It was just awesome. I didn't know they can crossbreed. Yeah, yeah they, they do. Yeah, she has one called a liger. We have pictures of that liger over at the Animal Radio website. And in fact, the most searched item at the Animal Radio website is liger. Just it's, a, it's, a little tip. It's cute. It's big, but it's cute. So uh, we got that on the way in just a few minutes. Joey Volani, what do you got on the show? I'm not going to give away too much. I'm going to just say it was my favorite tip. Oh, so you're like recycling. You're you're getting green I'm, I'm, for I'm, the new I'm, year. I'm re. You know what? This listen. You got to recycle. I don't know who didn't hear this. And this is a, this is a, like I said. This is my favorite tip. Well, Judy just handed me this news story that came out of uh, I don't know where San Jacinto. I don't know. Coco. I think there might have been a typo there in the beginning. I think this is Florida. No, Riverside. This is California. Riverside. It's that Riverside, California, which is uh, just outside the L.A. area. A uh, reddish-brown pit bull with white markings went missing from her Southern California home on Thanksgiving. And nearly a month later, she was found. and She was reunited with her owners, but she was a different color. A different color? Different color. Riverside County Animal Services said they scanned the animal, got the right microchip, Uh made the match. But the dog was uh, apparently died. It uh, was oh colored. Oh gosh! And it was. They think it. They believe it was stolen and died as an act of deception to make it harder for owners, the owners, to find her. Well, that's like you know, people steal your car and they paint them. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think they did that. With I wonder. The animals. I wonder if they were stealing it to keep the pet or to you know to um, sell it, use it as bait or, or whatever. Or, or you know, I mean, it's um because I mean, why would you um. Why would you colorize the dog unless unless it's the neighbor? Well, officials believe the dog escaped from the thief's property. Who knows what was going on there, but uh, that's interesting. That's the first time I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Has anyone asked you to dye their dog? I mean, yes. have they done it, uh, asked you to dye their dog to a different color. make it look a different color, to, to be deceptive? I've never been asked like to, to, like, to, to dye it to another natural color um, that was different than, than the natural color they already had. Like, I would never, I never had someone have a brown dog and say I wanted black. Usually they'd want it pink or purple or something like that, or back to the, to the original color. But um, no, I've never um, done that before. So you've never partake 
in any illegal activities like that, I, I see. Well, good. I didn't expect that you would. You, of course, are the dog father. What are you, what are you holding me like a suspect here? I would never do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what it seems like. The ladies here want to think that you're kind of a bad boy at heart. You know, <laughs> Girls like a bad boy. They do like the bad boy. So I was just trying to help uh, embellish that uh, you know, aura that you have about gotcha. you. Gotcha. I appreciate you looking out for me like that. Hey, no problem. I'm a giver. Hey, let's uh, go to the phones for your calls right now for Dr. Debbie or for dog father Joey Volani. Well, hi, Olga. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for calling me. Yeah, where are you calling from today? Santa Fe Springs. Where Springs? Oh, Santa Fe. Like uh, the L.A. area? Yes. Okay. Well, I've got the whole dream team here. How can we help you? I have a new puppy. I've had her since she was six weeks old. And I'm trying to potty train her, but because I've never owned an animal, I'm not real certain if I'm doing this right. I don't know if I need a two pads, one for her, um, her poop and one for her urine. I'm not sure, so I just needed some assistance with that, if you could help me. Okay, let's talk potty. <laughs> so, so how old is your puppy right now, and what kind of dog? It's a Lasso, Asa, Opso. Okay, yeah. If I said that correctly. Okay. And, and so you... She's 10 weeks old. 10 weeks old. Okay, great. Now, you said you, you were doing potty pads. So um, is that the, the preferred method that you're going to long-term? That's what you're going to do for her as far as for pottying? I'm not really certain. I, okay. I would like to see her you know, go out and do her thing, but... Okay. Going to be well, that's perfect. So, so that's the first step that we need to do is you in your mind need to make these decisions. It's just like if you're having a kid, you know, are they going to go to public school, private school? You know, what potty method are you going to use for your puppy? And you have to set that and really stick with that. So puppies sometimes get a little confused when we give them different rules. We say it's okay to potty in the house if you go on this pad, but I'm going to eventually want you to go outside and to tell me when you need to go so that you can go outside. So what you need to do is to um, keep a consistent message. If you want your puppy to go inside, then we stay with the potty pads. If you want your puppy to go outside eventually, then let's train that puppy right now for that and make the message simple and make it clear. So I'm not a fan of doing these two things together. So I would say throw away the potty pads and you're going to need to make sure that you have a plan and the plan is going to be a schedule. And a schedule is so important when we train a puppy um, in potty training because they really need to know what we want. And a schedule sets it out. So write it down on a piece of paper. Get up in the morning, puppy goes outside. Puppy gets fed, puppy goes outside. Playtime. 15, 20, 30 minutes later, puppy goes outside. And really making sure you accompany the puppy when you go outside. So we don't want to just kind of say, hey, go do your thing. You go with the puppy on a light leash, go do your thing. You give a potty command, always very important because that helps them understand with a verbal command in the future. So they go potty, you say, good boy, good boy. And then you give yeah. either a treat or praise. It's a very yeah, core basic thing. Go ahead. Now, my dog is on my puppy's only ten weeks old, and it only has a few of its shots. It's is it okay for me to put the take the doggy out to the grass? I yes, it absolutely. Was. Yes. Okay. Puppies should not be, you know, locked up in a house and for the fear of infectious disease that, to not have them receive puppy training. So potty training is essential. And if your is your yard secure so other dogs aren't in there? Yes. 
Okay, perfect. Yeah. So don't be afraid going outside. Now we do, as as any any situation, we want to pick up stool matter and not leave that sitting there. But no, don't uh, be afraid of taking your putt outside and uh, and really just making sure that you know you're consistent. That is the key to everything with puppies. Um, sometimes it gets very t- tiresome and tedious, and it's hard. It's really hard to be consistent. You just get darn tired. Um, but, uh, you know, the, it, it will all pay off, um, the more consistent and, um, you know, share, showering with positive praise. We don't try to use negative reinforcement. So don't rub your puppy's nose in messes. Don't yell and scold at them, him. If you find the accident in the, in the making and you can say, no, 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 no. And you, then you take the doggy outside and praise when it happens in the right location. But really negative reinforcement goes, it, it can actually be counter productive and make some pups um, more afraid and less apt to do what we want in the future. So are you doing some of those other things there as well? Yes, I'm doing the majority of what you said, and I'm very consistent with her. So I will try that. And I really appreciate all your information. Thank you so much. Okay, well, great. Good luck with your little girl, Olga, and uh, let us know how things go. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Olga. We appreciate it. I want to welcome our brand new station, WBPS in Cambridge, Ohio. Welcome, 101.9. If you live in the Cambridge area, we have a brand new station that has Animal Radio 11 a.m. on Saturday. So check it out, WBPS. Thank you so much for joining the Animal Radio Network. Woohoo! Very exciting. You can ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Now, it's a free download. And not only can you ask your questions directly from the app, but you can listen to past shows and go through our big library of resources. If you want to download that now, it is a free download. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Talent Cable with today's dog tip. We got a call on Animal Radio from a gentleman whose dog was marking. The dog's a Rottweiler mix, and he wanted to know how he can stop it. Well, the first thing you should do is always get your dog fixed early. Next, it's always a good idea to take your dog to the vet and make sure everything's okay with the plumbing. If that checks out, it's time to deal with the reality that your dog is marking the territory in and around your house to defend it. Marking is a way dogs let other dogs know, hey, this territory is occupied, and it will be protected. Dogs do this when they feel like there's nobody in the household strong enough to protect the territory. There's no leadership. One of the ways you can begin demonstrating leadership in your house is to stop your dog in the act of marking, but you've got to catch him right in the act, right while he's doing it. Right after is too late. Keep a short leash on your dog at all times. As soon as he makes his move, as soon as he cozies up to a piece of furniture or a place he's gone before, give it a quick yank. Then usher him outside as quick as you can. When he starts to go out there, you tell him he's a good dog. The other thing to remember, and we've talked about this before, is you got to clean all the spots where he's gone. On, but you've got to use a cleaner that gets the scent out, or he'll be tempted to revisit those spots when you're not looking and mark again. You can get cleaners like this at your pet store. Remember, you are your dog's teacher. He's going to learn everything about the world from you. And just like we say with our kids, do as I do, not as I say, dogs learn by watching what you do. You'll notice your dog spends lots of time staring at you, just staring. Sometimes it's unnerving. He's looking for signs of strength and weakness. He's looking for leadership. If you don't lead, your dog's going to feel it necessary 
to step into that role. And that's when the trouble starts. All kinds of trouble. So take a leadership role and decide to teach your dog what you expect, rules, limitations. Remember to be consistent and use affection only after your dog is behaving the way you want. A lot of people give affection first. Affection comes last. Because the more affection you give your dog when he's behaving in a way you don't want him to, let's say excited, the more excited he's going to be. You're reinforcing the behavior. Together, we can do this. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Elaine Boozler on Animal Radio. Stay new to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> <laughs> Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. And uh, let's go to line four. We have Ruby on the phones. Hi, Ruby. Hi. How are you? Where are you calling from today? Um, I'm great. From um, California. Okay. Well, I have the whole dream team here to answer your questions. What's on your mind? Fantastic. I have a crazy cat. I have have a very beautiful three-year-old, almost a three-year-old cat who sprays in the house. Okay. It seems like it, it, it sprays when it gets excited, uh, and it's usually towards me, towards my bed or where I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. Okay. We gave him away for a month to change the behavior, and he didn't pee in our friend's house at all. Okay. And then as soon as we brought him back home, he pees again. And he, you said he's three years old. He's neutered? Yes. And is he the only cat in the house? Yes. I have a cat there- and a dog. Are there other cats in the neighborhood nearby, or is he pretty much an inside kitty? No, he's in and out, and they're, they're, it doesn't seem like we have any cats around us. What you're describing is um, certainly sounds like it's more urine marking, which is a territorial behavior. Um, so th- the difference is with inappropriate urination, when a cat urinates out of the box and we think, oh, gosh, is it an accident? Is it a medical problem? Some of the things we look at to help determine that. One mm-hmm. with urine marking is that cats tend to spray um, in more vertical arrangements. Um, mm-hmm. They also tend to go towards um, the owner's belongings, beds, uh, laundry, um, and they also tend to poop in the box fine, but the urine um, may sometimes happen in the urine in the litter box and may not always. So the challenge is that we really, something in your home, there's stressors there. When cats do this, um, they feel the need to mark their territory, just like a, you know, a 
graffiti tagger going out and saying, hey, this is my uh, my territory. And that's what he's doing. He's communicating with that. It's not anything spiteful, but yet he's feeling the need to do this. So what we really need to do is look in the home environment and decide what it is. Is it the dog? Is it the house? Um, are there outdoor cats nearby? Is there something in the environment that's un favorable for him that's making him feel insecure that he has to say hey this is where i live we had we we were living in a different house so he was peeing again um all over the place and outside and we just moved here he stopped for two weeks he was actually going to the little box and using the little box and we have like three four of them just in case he needs to do it. So he wasn't doing it until uh, our cable person came in and somehow he bumped the little box, dropped all the little. And from then on, he's continuing peeing all over the house. So what was bumped? The, the little box got bumped and went all over the ground. Was, did it happen while he was in it? No, no, no. It, he wasn't oh. in it. But okay. for somehow, so, for some reason, he his um, behavior restarted. Okay. So a couple things that I'm going to ask you to do is that in the environment, um, I like the idea that you've offered alternate litter box sites. It's very important. But I also want to make sure that we give him other things that are very important to cats. So they like to perch, they like to get to high places, and they like to hide. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like you to duplicate and add more um, cat trees, window um, hammocks or seats, um, mm-hmm. things that he can kind of get into and on top of. A cat that is up high feels safe and secure and is going to have um, a much happier uh, domain. Um, the mm-hmm. other things that I'm going to ask you to do are going to involve um, the areas where he is going and that you don't want him to go. So you mentioned he was going on the bed. Is that correct? On the corner of the bed, and now he's doing on the corner of the couch okay. in the living room. So when we're dealing with corners of objects, what I like to do is actually take um, aluminum foil and dangle mm-hmm. long sheets of that and secure that in some fashion to your couch um, or to the side of your bed. And the idea is when a cat urinates against aluminum foil, it makes that tinny sound, which they don't like. So it's mm-hmm. a very um, kind of gentle way of using a deterrent there. The other thing that I am a big fan of, whether you have to put it on beds um, or on just carpeted areas or just areas where the cat might pass that you don't want them to go, that that's just a high urine site. We're going to take um, those plastic carpet runners, turn them upside down. They've got those little kind of pokey things. And we're going to put those in the area just to make it a little less appealing for him to go in that area. Um, and then some other things we can use like citrus sprays and so forth. Um, those, those can be helpful. But the thing I'll tell you is that all these things environmentally for a cat that's spraying, some will work all by themselves. Other cases, and the vast majority of cats that are urine marking, they do require some help with drug therapy. And this is where you'll have to work with your veterinarian. Um, they may want to check a urine test just to make sure things are truly okay before they go down that road. Um, mm-hmm. But I often will find that I need to use things like Prozac or Clomipramine and really just get into that um, that with just environmental changes, unless we have something clearly that's been changed or um, added to the home environment that's distressing the cat, we really mm-hmm. need to get into drug therapy. So to get the best success, um, you know, that's where I would really recommend you you look at going. Yeah, we have used that um, um, band that goes around the neck, 
mm-hmm. for the scent. Apparently, the scent helps them out. We have used mm-hmm. that. Um, I didn't like it. It makes him look like a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> he can't control his drooling, well, and his eyes popped out. So it's kind of... Um, I'm not sure which one you're referring to, because pheromones really are not sedative in nature. Um, so uh, I, I'm not really sure that uh, you may be using the right type of product, but a pheromone collar or a pheromone diffuser That's can be helpful. Collar. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well, just to make sure there's not other components in there, whether there's any kind of essential oils or anything that he could be having an adverse reaction to. And pheromones are not drugs, so let me point that out. That's a natural remedy. It's a great thing to try, but what mm-hmm. I'm advocating is, you know, talk to your veterinarian about getting on some form of either a pill or a liquid um, to help manage the behavior. Very important. Okay. okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you okay. very much. Good luck. Thanks for your Thanks. call, Ruby. Have a great day. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline line right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Body art is not for animals, at least not in New York. It will soon be a crime throughout that state to pierce or tattoo a companion animal. There's an exception for markings under a veterinarian supervision or for a medical reason or ID, something like that. And then those tattoos can only be numbers and letters specifically for a tattoo identification registry. The law doesn't apply to the ear tags you put on rabbits and guinea pigs. The penalties, they range from up to 15 days in jail to fines of about 250 bucks. Several other states now have similar laws on the books as well. Interestingly, the laws were prompted by people showing off what they did to their animals on the Internet, including one woman who was piercing kittens and selling them as gothic. And tattoo artist, this guy, he showed off his dog's tattoo, saying he did it after the dog had surgery and while this dog was still out under anesthesia. Well, most of us would not even imagine leaving our pet out in the freezing cold of winter. And the city of Pittsburgh now has made it illegal to tether dogs and leave them outside or unattended for more than a half hour if the temperature falls below 32 degrees or summertime if it goes over 90 degrees. There's a $500 fine attached and the dog can be taken away from that person. The law goes even further now, regulating the type of tether and making sure that dogs have access to, have easy access rather to shelter, food and water when they're outside. The first all-star dog adoption telethon, it was a huge success. The figures have just come out, and the producers of Cause for Paws, an all-star dog spectacular that aired Thanksgiving night, say it resulted in more than 4,400 people filing adoption papers for homeless dogs during the show. There were 70 dogs from rescues around the country featured on the two-hour telecast. More than 4 million people actually tuned in to watch. It was hosted by Hillary Swank and Jane Lynch. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, it's Vinny Penn, your party animal on Animal Radio with your party animal segment. I just want to read a little something off to you that I got. I took my daughter to an art show, to an outdoor festival this weekend, and they had all sorts of different events. Uh, I stopped by one booth and they had this great brochure, Greyhounds as Pets, a great pet for all, with, of course, great being spelled G-R-E-Y-T. And this is from Pups Without Partners, which is a greyhound adoption program. I thought it was very cool because they're really bullet-pointed why greyhounds are the, a, a great dog to get. They're the only dog mentioned in the Bible. That's the first thing they lead off with. There are biblical implications. If Jesus does return and you have a greyhound, you're saved. I like that they started with that. Good with well-behaved children is the second one. What if your son is like my son, Luke? Uh, Should I not get a greyhound? Chances are he's going to want to ride the greyhound. He will want to box with him. But no, actually, a lot of the other points were great. They're good with other pets, very intelligent, clean, low maintenance. I know a lot. The shedding issue is big for a lot of people. Very used to human contact. And they can never wear flea collars or run loose, which I thought was was interesting. It says greyhounds have been raised with their litter mates and crave attention and affection. By nature, they are calm, laid back. And there were a few there. And it is true. It is a beautiful dog says they can live to be between 12 and 15 years old and uh the adopt a greyhound this this program here says we've been very successful and have a hundred percent adoption rate since we began in 1995 i'm from connecticut but if you do want to check it out it's a www.pupswithoutpartners.org i'm just really stuck on the good with well-behaved children yeah <laughs> vidipen party animal on animal radio How long have you been married? You, um, I've been married fourteen years. Fourteen years? Yeah. yeah. You know what? It's funny. Everything seems like just yesterday. Graduating high school seems like yeah. yesterday. Damn, we're old. Uh, Hal and I've been married yes. fifteen years. And you, Debbie? Uh, I think it's somewhere around eighteen. Really? Yeah. You're wow. not even that old, are you? How can you be married? When did you get married? When you're twelve? <laughs> <laughs> I'm forty-something. Really? It must be the Pepsi One. Uh, it, it's, it's a preservative, definitely. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, we have Skyping with us, Scott Blyce. Is it Blyce? Blyce. Blyce. Hey, Blyce. Scott, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Very good. Where are we uh, Skyping to you today? We are in um, north central Brazil. Really? How is it in Brazil wow. today? It's fabulous. It's uh, where we are. It's kind of fabulous every day. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's perfect, perfect weather and especially perfect weather for elephants. Now, what are you doing down there? We are in the process of starting a sanctuary for captive elephants that are uh, suffering from the just the inherent neglect and abuse from captivity. Uh, there are over 50 elephants in South America, and there's really nowhere for them to go except for zoos and circuses. And so we're in the process of starting a new sanctuary for them here. 
and getting them out of the zoos and circuses. Absolutely. And, you know, the one of the big things that's happening is in South America, there are five countries that have banned performing elephants, and there are two more, uh, one of those being Brazil, that's uh, about to pass a national ban as well. And uh, that'll be seven countries in South America alone that have banned performing elephants, and there's really nowhere for them to go. Are they native to the area? No, these are all captive elephants. Uh, they're captured from uh, Africa and Asia. Uh, most were imported at infancy and taken from their families and, and uh, put into the, the captive animal industry, the, the entertainment industry. Most people think that these animals are very well kept when they're, uh, especially if they're, if they're your bread and butter as an entertainer, you would think that they're treated well and, and kept in large reserves. What is the true story behind these animals? Oh, the truth is grim. Uh, it's really quite tragic. And honestly, when I first started working with elephants, it was in a safari park. And uh, we were told this is kind of the best of the best kind of facility and quickly learned that it's much that is lacking. The elephants really have a really tragic life. And it wasn't until we started the sanctuary in 1995, started a sanctuary in Tennessee. And a few years later, as the elephants started recovering from these ailments, that's when we started realizing just how deep the abuse and neglect really runs. Just every facet of their life is, is pretty much destroyed by captivity. And no matter how hard you try in a zoo or a circus, you just can't do right by them. Uh, there's no way possible to give them what they need in those environments. We are learning more and more that elephants are very, very sentient beings and really feel a lot of the emotions that humans do and grieving. We've seen them grieve. Have you had a chance to get up and close with any of these animals? Oh, absolutely. I've been working with elephants for over 25 years. What, what uh, is the most amazing thing? Uh, how long do we have to talk? Um, <laughs> There's no way to put it in a nutshell. It is literally everything about them. It is their sensitivity, their acute awareness, their just sense of knowing. Um, they just seem to have an understanding of life that we only strive for. They're just remarkable all the way around. It's, it's uh, Honestly, I've been asked a thousand times, what is it about elephants? And, and I have yet to be able to put it into words adequately just because they are just, just they're beyond words. They're beyond description in my mind. How do they, so these animals are coming from the performing world, and so how do they adapt when you first get them into the, um, the preserve? What do they do? What are they, how are they responding to that? It's completely different with every individual. It's, it can be as remarkable as, you know, 12 hours later, they are completely integrated into the herd, and there's others that struggle for a while. Uh, we see that actually zoo elephants struggle more than circus elephants, because of the, the, the sterile lives that they've lived. Most of them have only lived in that box of, of a world for 25 or 35 years. Uh, one elephant had lived alone for 40 of her 47 years, and she actually integrated into the herd literally overnight. And there's others that were, had been bounced around from one zoo to another, and they struggled for weeks uh, to try to uh, kind of come back to an understanding and, and try, trying to, to find the comfort in this new environment. Uh, once that comes, once that starts, and once they start becoming themselves and realizing that they have autonomy, giving them their choice and, and uh, watching them kind of learn how to control their own life, it's miraculous what ends up transpiring. Uh, sometimes it can be, as I said, a, a struggle. Sometimes they want to be alone for a while. Uh, and the beautiful part about sanctuary is giving them that choice, giving them, giving them the opportunity for the first, in, first time in their life to make the choice between being alone or socializing or going for a walk and just, you know, seeking solitude for a couple hours and then coming back into the herd. And this allows, again, them to blossom. It allows for, for better herd dynamics. It allows for um, more positive social dynamics. It's just what transpires is, is, is astounding within a sanctuary.
Sounds not. I'd like to actually go to a sanctuary now. <laughs> Just a little alone time, you know. Like not right now. I feel locked up a lot. But so you're in Brazil, but you have a sanctuary that's in Tennessee now. I recall talking to and correct me if I'm wrong, Judy. A Carol, 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 somebody who has a, a yes. sanctuary in Tennessee. Also, is that correct? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, Carol and I co-founded the sanctuary in Tennessee. Okay. Uh, in 19- and uh, Carol left the Tennessee Tennessee Sanctuary in 2010. She's doing a lot of work in Asia, and I left in 2011. The Sanctuary in Tennessee is still thriving, um, and we're just spreading our wings to try to take what we've learned from elephants and, and, and help around the world. It warms the cockles of my heart what you're doing and that you're caring so much for these animals. You're my hero and, and the hero for our week. I want to thank you so much, and I want to tell people to go visit the website, elephants.com. Ele- Boy, that must have been a hard domain to get. <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple addresses. Okay. Uh, com is a sanctuary in Tennessee. Okay. Uh, the work that we're doing now is with a Global Sanctuary for Elephants. It's a new organization. And uh, that website is globalelephants.org. Globalelephants.org. And, of course, we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. Scott Blaze, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Gloria. Hi, how are you? Good. What's going on in your world? Good. Um, we like to trance um, my dad's over to Hawaii, but we're really scared because I keep hearing that um, cat, you know, animals that fly in cargo uh, sometimes don't make it. I'm not sure. Um, it would be from LSX to Kona, Hawaii. And it's about a five-and-a-half-hour direct flight. I know all the particulars about the vaccines and stuff like that, but okay. they, w- they won't let them fly unless they're in cargo when they're going over to the island. Okay. And I was wondering how safe that was. Well, I'd have to say in the vast majority of pets that fly, um, the risk of incidence is very low. Um, but that being said, uh, I think in 2010, they had uh, 39 uh, different deaths and 56 incidents um, with air travel through the whole year. And that's across all the different airlines that travel with um, pets. So the numbers that are flying, that that's a relatively small number. But I would say the most important things are uh, careful selection on the right patients and the right pets to fly, as well as what kind of steps we need to take to ensure their safety and who might not be the best travel candidates. And and I can definitely help you with that there with some guidelines. How how do your kitties travel in general? Two of them travel really good. I have three Maine Coons 
They're quite large, you know, 20, 25 pounds. Okay. And um, two of them travel really good, uh, but the other one probably doesn't. I have five cats to transport all together, three are Maine Coons. And I've seen them get hot before where they just start panting, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was just wondering, why can't they travel in the plane, you know, underneath the seats when they're going over there? Well, a lot of that may be set upon the airline's uh, travel policies, um, whether that's related to allergies or space accommodations. Now, being Maine Coons and 20 pounds, sometimes that can be um, a space accommodation issue because um, we want to make sure we don't want to shove a kitty into a carrier and not have room to ventilate and breathe, even within the cabin. So um, some of the most important things, and you say that they had some panting uh, when they travel. Um, for me, that can sometimes just mean a kitty's excited or overheated. But in certain breeds of kitty, um, if they pant when they're traveling or excited, it, it kind of puts a little bit uh, of a little flag up in my radar. Um, and f- for some kitties, and, and within the Maine Coons, not to freak you out or anything, but Maine Coons are a breed that can have a, a, a genetic tendency towards um, a type of heart problem. Um, so sometimes we get signs of it, sometimes we don't. But if we're planning a big travel, um, you know, it'd certainly be worthwhile to have the, especially the Maine Coon kitties, evaluated a little bit closer um, because we want to make sure we do everything possible to keep them safe. Um, there is a genetic test for uh, a very common type of heart disease called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, <laughs> or <Okay>. HCM, <laughs> in these guys that we really um, look at, especially in ragdolls and uh, Maine Coons. Um, there's a blood okay. test for that, or it can be a, a genetic cheek, cheek swab as well, um, but you can see your veterinarian about that. Uh, Washington State, I believe, does the testing on that. Um, okay. Some some folks, if there's any incidents or any other concern, will do a, um, an ultrasound on the heart to evaluate that. Um, mm-hmm. But the genetic test can help to give you at least some uh, idea of how how concerned you do or don't need to be about that. Um, but if your kitties did um, test positive for that genetic test, then, then we really would go about a very different way, and I'd counsel you differently than to say a normal kitty that uh, is perfectly healthy and and been cleared by the veterinarian. So in general, if we have kitties that have to go, or even dogs that have to go in cargo, we want to make sure those carriers are big enough. And and that for me is the biggest thing. So for some kitties, especially those Maine Coons with lots of hair, um, I'll consider shaving them just to help keep them cool. Um, As far as sometimes uh, frozen uh, ice packs can kind of help keep the babies cool, especially if we offer that in part of their water for travel. Um, And then, you know, depending how anxious they get, um, we want to acclimate them to the carrier in advance. And that's probably the biggest thing for most people is uh, making sure the kitty is not seeing that carrier as a threat uh, going to the vet. Um, So really, if you've got time, and and usually with Hawaii, there's several months when we have to make these preparations. So we can start feeding them in the carrier, um, putting them in the garage or in your car and feeding them in the car starting to make that carry a really positive association. Um, those steps I would really start right now and make sure we try to uh, get them as used to that as possible. On the deaths that happen for pets that are doing, was it heat? Was it cold? I mean, is that like really temperature good controlled? Because nobody sees them after they're put in the plane, right? Yeah. Now, I can tell you for dogs, um, 50% of the the dog deaths that have occurred in airline travel, at least through most of the years, have been breeds that are brachycephalic, dogs that have the squished-in face uh, conformations. So those kind of animals have an increased risk of 
difficulty breathing in normal situations. So if you put them in a situation where they're excited um, or they're maybe having limited uh, heat exchange, um, then, then they might be more likely to have problems. Um, so other situations might be young dogs, um, young animals, um, you know, juveniles that are so young that they're just may- maybe barely weaned um, or older older pets that have uh, health problems. So I don't have all the specifics on those, but I can tell you that um, yeah. you know, most of those, um, there's either concerns with the carrier uh, size um, not being appropriate enough for the pet, so they're not getting well ventilated, um, or you know, they've got underlying health issues that might be contributing to those uh, concerns for travel. I just found out uh, a couple of things that might be interesting to you. It's, it's mostly on the tarmac that these de- deaths happen when the, uh, the airplane's on the tarmac and it's hot outside. Uh, I mean, in most of the cases that we've seen. But they do keep the cargo at the same temperature, or they try to keep the cargo at the same temperature. And the reason why? Because of customs. As far as for clearing once they arrive. Yes. So, yeah, and, and definitely for, you know, Hawaii is a rabies-free state, and, um, you know, that is a very serious thing that they take, uh, or thing that they take very seriously. So, you know, they want to make sure they account for all the, the doggies and kitties that are coming across. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, and we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to phytofriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Uh, let's uh, let's take care of business. We have Tippy Hedren on the show today, and this is uh, this has got to be her 15 millionth appearance. Plus At the least. fact that we actually went down and broadcast from her Shambhala Reserve yes, we once. Did. That, was that was so awesome, truly amazing, lifetime experience. And yes. she's working on more legislation to uh, really take the whole exotic animal, wild animal, especially the big cats, out of the breeding and the, out of uh, the, the backyards as yeah. pets. I mean, come on. People think they're really cute, and they grow up, and then. They end up at her sanctuary, yep. where she has, I think, between thirty and fifty animals. Is it? Yeah. Is it actually legal to have these? Um, you know, it, um, it pets is in a lot cap, of areas. Oh really? yeah, like in 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 the Las Vegas area, the exotic pets are very big. So you sure. you can have someone with a jaguar living next door to you, and it's not the kind that goes in the garage, <laughs> and that's legal. You know, we couldn't even have monkeys yes. in 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 New Jersey when I was a kid growing up. I always wanted to, you know, one of those squirrel monkeys, and um, you too, you know, huh? weren't allowed. To, yeah, we weren't allowed to have them because it was illegal. So, well, I'm going to get one on my birthday. <gasps> yep, going to get one so you can uh, you can hang out with us and play with the monkey. We go to this one. It's been blinking all afternoon. Go ahead. Okay. Pick it up, pal. Hey, Karen. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Where are you? Uh, right outside Chicago, Illinois, Chica- in Glen Ellen. Chicago. Okay. Well, what's going on with your pets? I have Dr. Debbie right here, and I understand you need to talk to her. Yeah. You know, I had, I was listening to your senior show, and you are talking about a lot of different things. But one thing um, that I didn't hear that was touched on is I have about, um, he's about 11 years old. He's adopted, so I don't know exactly. And um, he's got arthritis in his back end, and therefore it's real hard for him to maintain um, muscle. 
So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there's a way that I can either through exercise or some type of diet build muscle or at least maintain what he has because so it doesn't atrophy. Exactly. And that's the active word right there. So I'm so glad you said that, Karen. Um, when our pets have chronic pain, arthritis, it causes them to not use their muscles in the full range of motion. And that re- results in disuse atrophy. So the legs get skinnier. And then as a consequence of that, they get less strong. So pets may be unsteady. They may be wobbly. And they may not be as sure-footed. So that's kind of all that cascade of effect. And the basic problem is, arthritic pain there. So the most important thing is that we address the pain on many different levels. So that might be a combination of using joint supplements, might be non-steroidal pain medication um, that we might have prescribed by your veterinarian, and we might use like other pain medicines. There's a great one called Tramadol that we use a lot for older pets um, as another way of attacking their pain. Okay. And then... Is with a shot? I'm sorry? Is that pill form or is it with a shot? Tram- That's a Tramadol, pill form. You called it? Tramadol, yeah. And we can use that along with a lot of these other medicines to kind of complement them. So there's never just one product that I typically put my older pets with osteoarthritis on. I will use a multi-modal approach to this. So we try different things. And then some pets, once we get all that on board, then we can really work on some soft exercise very short leash, leash walks. If we have a pool like we do in Las Vegas, swimming is a great muscle builder. It doesn't bear any weights on the joints and allows them to use their legs. So we want to make sure a pet is not going to be more uncomfortable. Um, if, if So you have to control the pain first, but then that can be a great way to help build up that muscle. And in many areas and some big metro metro metropolitan big cities um we have areas that have um pet physical therapy departments and actually in las vegas there's a a department in one of the specialty clinics where we have physical therapy to help build muscle tone in pets that are recovering from illnesses and injuries as well as things like um older pets with arthritis so that's a great thing now Another option, kind of in this multiple ways of hitting things, is um, there's a medicine called Adequan. And it's oh, he's another done that type. Before. He has been on that. Uh huh. Did that help? Did that help him? It really, it really helped him tremendously, but it's, it's very expensive. So we kind of did it sparingly. Yeah, and, and that's the downside. It's an injectable form that helps to kind of rebuild the cartilage um, and help keep that joint as healthy as possible. And a lot of pets can really benefit from it, but it's because of the cost. Sometimes it's not the first thing that we'll jump to. But for a lot of pets that we've tried everything else in the world, it can really be um, very helpful for these guys. So Great. And what, what should he be sleeping on? Should he be sleeping on special bedding? That's a great comment. Yes, absolutely. For older pets, pets that have arthritic issues, I would definitely go for some nice padded bedding, make sure that we're not sleeping on hard floors, and we want to try to make sure that they're off cool areas. Um, a lot of times they're drawn to that, but we want to make sure they're not close to chills and things like that. So, yes, oh, nice, soft, padded orthopedic bedding is a way to go. So, yes, thank you for bringing up those wonderful points. And for our senior pets out there, there's a lot we can do. So, definitely work with your veterinarian find the right plan for your pet okay go that give, is wonderful go thank give your you. senior pet a big old hug from all of us here at animal radio i appreciate your call i will thanks for your help and this one's for dr debbie welcome to the show daryl hello what's going on i've got a i think a three-year-old three four-year-old english mastiff and uh we've we've got 
prior problems with her, such as, you know, kidney disease and, and other, you know, pretty healthy, though. Uh, but my wife was petting her the other day, yesterday, and she uh, felt a lump on the bottom of her throat. Uh-huh. And uh, she's got, you know, she's already got a couple little things on her back. You know, she's had checked out. They're like cysts or something, but not life-threatening. And uh, but she said this one just felt different. It was, you know, like it was further up in there. And, you know, she's got her a, a vet appointment for Monday to go have her looked at. But I'm curious, is that something that could be cancer or what could that be? Well, can you put her up to the, to the microphone? I want to get a, get a good feel. <laughs> Wish we could do that. <laughs> because that, that really will tell us quite a bit. Now, can you describe perhaps where, like, is it up by the point of the jaw, lower down around the throat area? Yeah, like lower down around the throat area. Is it uh, in the skin? Can you pull it away from her body, or is it attached? You know, I'm not certain, uh, but she, like I said, she does got a couple, one that's on her back, but it's more in her skin area. It's one that you can, Mm -hmm. you know, take and and grab and pull on if you want to. It doesn't hurt her or anything. She's had it looked Mm -hmm. at by the vet, and that one's nothing life-threatening or anything or nothing that's going to hurt her, but... But yeah, and can, when you say playing with it, you know, I kind of have this thing. I'll, I'll be doing a, a physical exam with a pet and talking and listening to the, the pet parent, and I'll feel something, and, and my hands just get distracted, and I can't stop touching it. And so a lot of times with these kind of lumps and bumps, I'm already kind of playing with it while I'm talking to mom and dad. So um, I'll feel it, see if it kind of rolls in your fingertips, if it's kind of loose in the skin. That's definitely better. Um, not to say that we can't get serious growths that occur in the skin, but it's a lot better for the pet in most scenarios if it's loose in the skin, especially if we're talking about having to do some kind of surgery or removal on things there. Um, so so I think that sounds somewhat favorable. And size-wise, how big is this thing? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Okay. All righty. And, and just in general, if it's something that changes very fast, gets very big very fast, or changes in the texture, how firm it might feel, then it definitely gets my little radar up. And I would certainly address that um, a little bit quicker than putting it off. Um, but yeah, and your veterinarian may want to, you know, more than just examine the area. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just take a, a needle biopsy, a little sample of that, and make some uh, microscope slides. We can look at that in our laboratory, or we'll send that out to a pathologist. And that is kind of how we can make that determination. How concerned do we really need to be? Because the honest truth is you can't detect cancer by feeling. As much as, you know, I might like to think I have good instincts, it's impossible to tell um, just by feeling, even using those characteristic guidelines that I mentioned. Um, So that needle biopsy might give you that peace of mind to say, okay, maybe not a big deal. Or, okay, this is something we really need to address and look into. Hope that all turns out okay, Daryl, and that she gets a clean bill of health with that checkup. This is Dr. Debbie. We're here for your calls. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, this is Brian Petillo. I play Lucas Roberts on Days of Our Lives. You're listening to Animal Radio. And please don't forget to have your pets spayed or neutered. That's my favorite saying from Bob Barker, by the way. Vinny Penn, the party animal coming back at you. And, and I'm going to stay on the cat issue. Uh, last uh, installment, I tackled the cat people. I'm going to do it again. I was at a friend's house the other night, just moved in um, 
with a, a new girl, and we're, we're sitting there, we're sitting at the kitchen table, having a couple of beers, having a good time. All of a sudden, her cat just hops up on the table. It's just allowed to just walk across this table. Uh, I, I've heard of this before. I've heard of certain cat owners who are like, you know, the cat can do whatever it wants. It's allowed to walk right across the counter and, and step right over your sandwich, for God's sake. I know she would have French kissed the cat if the cat came up to her and was so inclined to slip that sandpaper tongue into her owner's mouth. But, you know, I'm just sitting at the table and it's like, do you wipe it down afterwards? You know, if you guys throw a bag of chips here, is this cat going to be allowed to like walk right by me and, and plug right into the bag and, and have as much food as it wants? The worst part is this girl's got a kid. The kid came walking into the room and she said, don't come in here tracking your mud off of the sneakers. Now, let me get this right. This animal that has just been pleasuring itself and, and doing who knows what else around the house and down in the basement and in the wall and wherever else can walk across the area where you eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But your son can't walk into the kitchen with his shoes on. What is going on with cat owners? Imagine if the dog jumped up on the table like that and walked across the table like that. What would there be? Absolute pandemonium. But this is yet another cat owner who has decided she runs the house. I think it's funny. She's a diva. That's what that's what she was saying that night. She's a diva. Your cat's a diva. I thought we as a society really were kind of anti-diva. I thought we didn't like divas, but when it comes to cats, we admire it. We admire their brazen attitudes. Um, <laughs> I won't be back to that house for a bite to eat. Uh, and, and if I will, I'm going to be the guest over there wearing latex gloves, uh, when Monday night football starts up. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm Vinny Penn, party animal, animal radio. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. 800-215-6815. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Tippy Hedren, actress Tippy Hedren just around the corner. And uh, they, all these pictures, and I remember these pictures that you brought in this morning of uh, Tippy. well, actually of Melanie Griffith with her lion? Is that a lion? It's got to be lion. a has lion. has a man yeah, name. Yeah, it has a big, yes. Uh, the lion named Neil apparently hung out with him. It looks like in this picture they're doing homework, Melanie Griffith, who I got to say, you know, it was either me or Antonio Banderas for Melanie Griffith. And she, she chose Antonio and it didn't work out for her so i'm just saying you know i don't know if she's moved on <laughs> but uh, anyway chippy hedron's on the show in a few minutes <laughs> yeah i don't know. didn't even comment there yeah and let's take one for dr debbie hi kathy 
Hi, how are you doing today? Good. Dr. Debbie's right here for you. Hi. All right, thank you. So what do you got going on there? Well, I have a two-year-old. Um, she's a female, short-haired. I got her. She was um, only a day old. Our mom abandoned her. and Anyway, she celebrated her uh, two years of uh, being here, but she has a problem that I can't quite figure out, and I don't know if it's uh, emotional or if it's a physical problem. Um, we've had several cats, and I've seen them chase their tails before, but nothing like this one does. She actually uh, gets angry at it. She'll bite her tail. She'll actually hiss and show her teeth, and she goes in circles one way and then goes in circles the other way. Anybody that's ever seen her, they think she has a problem, too, but um, uh-huh. I didn't know if this was something that, um, you know, and, and she doesn't do it all the time. It's kind of like... Um, We'll be sitting and watching television, and all of a sudden, maybe she'll start doing that. Uh, and it's not like she's starving for attention. I'm there all all day with her. And mm-hmm. when she's doing that, you can't touch her. She won't have nothing to do with you. And what if you do touch her? What does she, what does she do if you try to touch her at that moment? Well, when when you try to even approach her, she just runs off, and then she just continues to growl and goes in her circles, or you know, still upset with her her tail. And uh, it seems to be that tail that she doesn't seem to be able to control. It'll slap her in her face, like, you know, and she, she'll continue to run around. And like I thought, she'll go in circles one way. She'll stop, and she'll go in circles the other way. And all the time that she's doing that, she's growling or uh, trying mm-hmm. to, and sometimes she does catch her tail, and then she doesn't know what to do. She just gets angry at it. Does she bite it or injure it in any way? Well, she not, I, I don't think she's on any blood or anything like that um she does occasionally catch up with it like even when we're, she sits in my lap she will uh start growling and then her tail i we actually will hold her tail down to seem to keep it from twitching and doing its little thing and she seems to calm a little bit uh, that's if she's in our lap otherwise she's and it's just really strange um don't know what to okay. do with her Alrighty. Now, does she have any other problems where she, um, like if you pet her, does she have any problems where she, her skin crawls or she tries to attack you if you're petting her? No, no, but you know, she does have one other thing and she doesn't do this to anybody else but me, but like I'll be standing and I'll maybe have my arms uh, to my side and she'll actually jump up and kind of almost nip at me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't do that to anybody else. It just seems to be she likes to get even with me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and, and then does she have does she have any kind of skin uh, sores, uh, anything where she's chewing herself, itching elsewhere like on her body, anything like that? No, no, okay. no. She, uh, well, let me uh, back up. About, oh, three months ago, she did have some little... Um, like a, a little red mark, and we ended up going to the vet, and they did give us some topical, but then it was gone, and he thought it was just an irritation of some sort, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not her tail. That was more like by her groin, you know, or her back area there. But um, this is just a tail thing, it seems to yeah. And, okay. Well, this isn't unheard of. I mean, it may seem like you're the first person to have to deal with this crazy behavior. Um, but yeah, we do see this. And uh, the good thing for you is that she's not traumatizing that tail because I do see cats that um, will start to uh, attack their tail, chew it. And I've actually had some chew it down to the bone where we have to amputate oh. the tail. 
And the causes of this behavior can be from a different, a couple different sources. Um, there's some overlap, so it does take a little bit of some looking to figure out what we might be dealing with. There are some kitties where it's just a behavioral problem, almost like an OCD kind of thing. Um, and uh, for them, you know, sometimes we'll talk about behavior meds. Um, uh-huh. There are kitties that have skin disease, things like allergies food allergies and that can it's generally also we see other skin related problems going along with this so it's not always just the tail that they try to attack or that they're bothered with they generally also will chew lick or have other types of skin problems so if that's any possibility then i'd encourage you to have your veterinarian do kind of like a skin workup um, whether we're looking into allergies with diets or medications or what have you um, we get into some of the more bizarre ca- causes of tail chewing and attacking the tail for kitties. And those are um, pain syndromes and what we call hyperesthesia syndromes. Um, those are kind of a little bit more unusual, but we can see some kitties that have uh, spinal problems or types of uh, pain that can affect the the very far nerves into the tail area. And and those are kind of a little trickier to figure out. And if there's, you know, she sounds like she's a young, do- a young kitty, so probably not horribly in the arthritis category but for old old cats that do this kind of thing I definitely check them for spine arthritis hip problems because we can see some problems where they'll start to mutilate their tail um, but for your, for your little baby I would say that I might go looking towards some of the uh, behavioral possibilities here um, if we're any at all worried about something like um, a neuropathy or a pain type problem it would be kind of the equivalent of in people where we have like the pins and needle type sensation and um, you know, if you're a cat and that happened to you, you can almost imagine what a cat might do. So, um, in some of these situations, chewing on the tail or attacking the tail would be consistent with that type of uh, a pain um, response. Um, so, for some kitties, I'll put them on a drug called gabapentin if we're worried about um, that kind of pain that they might be having. Um, so, a little bit of some challenges. Like I said, the good thing for you is that she's not um, injuring herself at this point uh, with the tail. So, you've got a little bit of time and room where we can try some things. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Well, it is still a few months off, but we'll all have to start thinking about filing those income tax returns pretty soon. And in some cases, your pets can help you out. Now, if you have a cat, you know they're always ready to help you sort out the receipts. But I mean help with the bottom line. If you foster an animal, you can deduct some of the associated costs. It's legal. Things like vet bills, food, grooming, they all qualify as charitable deductions, which are deductible up to 50% of your adjusted gross income. Here's the catch. 
Once you officially adopt the animal, the animal is no longer considered a foster, and bye-bye to the deductions. Now, here's some other ideas. You can also deduct the expenses associated with a guard dog that is used to protect your business and inventory. And if you need a pet for a medical reason, there are deductions available there, too. To meet the IRS standard on that, the animal has to be trained and certified as a service animal. This appeals court action, I love this thing, it's being heralded as a possible turning point for pet guardians. The Maryland Court of Appeals has ruled that a jury can award damages to pet owners for the emotional distress they suffer following the injury or death of a beloved animal due to gross negligence. The court let stand a $200,000 award to Roger and Sandra Jenkins of Tannytown. Their Labrador retriever was shot and killed by a Frederick County Sheriff's deputy when he went to their home to serve an arrest warrant on their son. Their attorney praised the court for moving past this very outdated concept that animals are property to be owned and replaced and instead deeming that pets are valuable family members. All right, so how much would you spend to save your best friend's life? For a man in Pittsburgh, there apparently was no cost too high when it came to saving his 8-year-old Japanese chin. That's the name of a breed. It's called a Japanese chin dog. It's kind of like a Pomeranian sort of. Esme needed open-heart surgery to correct a problem with his mitral valve in his heart. M. Dylan Raskin spent $32,000 on a special surgery. He even flew in an expert veterinarian from Japan to do the procedure. And apparently M. Raskin is not alone here. He says pet owners from all over the world have been contacting him, wanting to be put in touch with that Japanese vet to see if he can help their pets as well. And by the way, Esme is doing just fine. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We welcome back Tippy Hedren. You know, Tippy, hey, Tippy, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. We were just talking a few minutes ago how we got the honor to stay <laughs> at your sanctuary back in 2004, oh, I think it yes. was. <laughs> and it was just amazing to listen to the roars of the the it, animals the, the at chirp. night. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You know, I live on the preserve, but uh, and I hear them roaring all the time, but to stay in that tent uh, where you're so close to it is just another experience. Oh, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. So the sanctuary that you have, which is up in, uh, it's Acton, right? Is it Acton? Yes. It's outside of Acton, yes. And you have, how many animals, how many uh, wild cats do you have there? Uh, now 32. Holy wow. moly. And I remember, I think when I was there, didn't you also have an elephant? Oh, we had two. Yeah, two okay. Elephants, yes. We have a lot of brand new listeners since the last time we've spoken, which has, by the way, been way too long. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to tell listeners what's going on there at Shambhala. And you have a, uh, a reserve of... Uh, mostly wild cats that have been rescued from what kind of situations? Well, they're all uh, lions and tigers, leopard, mountain lion, um, and some of the lesser cats. But they've all been born in the United States to be sold as a pet, which is uh, an unconscionable act to breed these animals to be sold to people who don't really know what they're like. Because they are, you know, literally serial killers. Now, when you had uh, Neil hanging around the house, Neil was a lion. Is that correct? Yeah, that was. He was a lion. He was a. He was um, the first lion that we met uh, all those years ago. I think it was nineteen seventy-two, something like that. And uh, he he was 
kind of a working lion. Uh, his trainer would bring him over every now and then so that we could kind of get an idea of what they're like. And, um, you know, that trainer didn't pull any punches with us. He, you know, let us know that they are dangerous animals. And uh, it's fascinating to me because uh, we were learning about the animals, and yet the press just gave us all kinds of... Uh, they made it sound like Neil was staying with us and that it was all... Those were all photo opportunities that we did, and um, he never spent a night at our house. When you look back upon it, what do you think? Uh, well, we were learning sure. about them, and we had to in order to do this, this movie that we did. Uh, because of the length of time it took to do the movie, uh, I became terribly aware of the fact that these animals were being bred and sold in the United States yeah. or for financial gain. Well, you're working on legislation, aren't yeah. you? Yes. With, uh, I worked on my first legislation was in 2003 uh, to stop the interstate traffic of these animals. And That I, one passed, I believe. Now, the, the one that... Uh, yes, the, it did. It passed unanimously in the yeah. House and Senate. But the bill that I'm working on now to stop the breeding, there are so many people that don't want this bill. You know, because it cuts out their livelihood, and um, a lot of static is coming from the breeders of these animals to stop this bill. And it's a huge business, and our government doesn't like to stop a business that's huge. According to U.S. Fish and Wildlife, it's on a par with illegal drugs. Sure. And, uh, so what, what would you say to somebody who says, oh, I, I've seen pictures of a pet lion or a pet tiger, and I'd like to certainly have one of these cute little well, cuddly things? absolutely no. Absolutely no. And I would tell them about the personality, uh, personalities and, and even deeper the instinctual dictates of these animals to take out any animal that is sick or old or lame, whatever. Mm. And it is, and they have to do it. They have to. It's an instinctual dictate. For those that don't remember, you created, well, you, you were working on a movie called Roar. Yes. And then out of that came the Roar Foundation because yes. a lot of things happened on the set of Roar that were pretty ugly. What happened? Uh, well, we had, um, we had seven different accidents, uh, a, a couple of them during the, you know, the filming. And... Um, I was hurt. My daughter was, her face was scratched. Our uh, DP was almost killed uh, uh, by one of the one of the lions. Uh, I mean, it was it was really it was really frightening at times, and uh, you know, so we were becoming more and more aware of this situation. And uh, after the film was over, uh, I I. Uh, Started working on the on the bills to stop this insanity, and, and you, I, I will continue in the next session as soon as I can find uh, uh, someone to sponsor it. So, uh, knowing what so. you know now about these animals, would you do anything differently going back, having you and your children around these wild animals? I uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you, you you can always look back and say, you know, no, hindsight. Yeah, hindsight is really amazing. Uh, but uh, you know, it seemed like 
this was with this was destiny. I was supposed to do this in order to get the get the awareness going that this uh, that these animals. Um, you mean that's a silver lining? Uh, that's the silver lining. Yes. Okay. Yeah. How can people learn more? The website. Uh, yes. Yeah, Sh- uh, our website. Um, Which is shambhala.org? Yes, it is. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over there at animalradio.com. That would be wonderful. You sound so good. You sound like you haven't aged a bit. Yeah, thank you. Um, You know, um, after the seventh accident, where uh, one of the men who worked for us, um, he hadn't worked for us for very long, um, but... You know, there are solid rules when you're dealing with these animals. Absolute solid rules that mm-hmm. you never do. And one of them is never turn your back on a sleeping tiger. Mm. And he did. And he was, he was in, in uh, one of the compounds, and he was cleaning. And, of course, when you clean, you have to bend over and, uh, you know, to pick up. You know, you've got the wheelbarrow and the shovels and... and um, that tiger woke up and said, oh, look at that. He... <laughs> Rump roast. <laughs> yeah, and he grabbed him by the neck and d- dragged him around in a figure eight in the compound. If it hadn't been for Chewy, who is our head uh, animal person, uh, in there with him, uh, that man would have been dead. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the day that I said, okay, never again. Do we have any of the trainers going in with the the cats? Well, the the thing is, is they can change so rapidly. I oh, mean, they, in split second. Yeah. And you don't have a chance. I support your bill, and I hope it gets oh, passed, and hopefully we'll talk again to uh, celebrate its success. Well, I hope so. The bill is titled Big Cats and Public Safety Protection Act. And we'll go ahead and put links and information about that over at AnimalRadio.com. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tippy, for spending some time with us today. Well, I, I hope we can do it again. There's a whole lot to talk about. Hey, everybody, this is Billy Dean, and you're listening to Animal Radio. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline line right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Hey, Greg, how you doing? <laughs> Hi, I'm very well. How are you today? Very good. <laughs> good, Greg. I heard some yapping, and I thought your voice changed there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my little trucking buddy here. He's uh, a little over three years old, been in the truck with me ever since he was pocket size. Wow. He's not much Aww. bigger than that now. Aww. What kind of dog? It's called a tiny toy uh, chihuahua. He's oh, okay. kind of between a teacup and a toy. 
Okay. And uh, cool. he's solid red and black brindle and uh, was born tailless, actually. Interesting. Oh, so he's got a little yeah. something. I, I love tailless pets. I, I've had several of them. So. Aren't most of your pets at home tailless? I've had a cat that had a tail. Well, it's artificially, you know, had to amputate one of the cat's tails, one of the dog's yeah. tails. You know, they just kind of keep, we chop body parts off our pets all the time. <laughs> but what can I do for you here today? Well, my little friend here has a girlfriend at home that's about 14 and a half months old. Okay. And she just recently came through her second cycle. And okay. I don't know whether they were active really or not, never caught them at anything, but we didn't really try to separate them. Okay. And I, I'm hoping that she's not too young. How would we know? When would we start seeing any symptoms or any signs or anything? Okay. First question, is she too young? No. Generally, we do prefer a dog to be bred on their second cycle. Um, we okay. just hate for them to get pregnant around that six-month mark. It's kind of like a teenage pregnancy. So um, so you're okay there. Now, as far as pregnancy-wise, duration, dogs are pregnant for about 63, 64 days. You know, significant physical changes you may not know for a full month or so. And the trick is that dogs can also have false pregnancies. So that can also look like they're pregnant and even produce milk. So um, some of these physical changes, they're not foolproof. But, you know, we would be watching for weight gain. An increased appetite usually kicks in about a month into a pregnancy. Um, and then it's a couple weeks later that we actually will start to see things like milk production. Um, but some of the behaviors like nesting, where a dog will kind build little beds or you know try to find a little comfy spot to sleep for the pups that can also happen with a false pregnancy so sometimes um, we have been fooled both veterinarians and people alike uh, that have pets so um, one of the things I might suggest is to actually have your baby taken to the veterinarian um, about three to four weeks after p possible breeding time and they can do an ultrasound and look to see to diagnose pregnancy and that'll help kind of put a timeline on things as well because we can age the pups based on the size of the puppy's skull um, and that will help you in preparing for, you know, when um, we might be having some babies delivered. Okay. We can always do x-rays as well when we get a little further along the lines, about 45 days after breeding. But by that point, things are, if you're asking, are we pregnant or not, usually it's a little bit more apparent by that point because you're a little further into it. Okay. My other question, I guess, that in, in parallel to that is I, I think she uh, has not yet had her one-year shots kind of chastise my wife on that. She's oh, kind of yeah. let that slide, and would that be something that you would want to wait till we know for sure whether she's pregnant? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't vaccinate a dog that we suspect could be pregnant. There can be some problems with that. So, um, But yeah, shame, shame. We always want to make sure our pregnant babies are um, caught up to shots, caught up to date with their shots beforehand, because that means the babies will have a little better chance at immunity uh, to many diseases. So, Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Greg. Hey, Lisa. Hello. How are you doing? Doing good. Where are you calling from? California, Montebello, California. Montebello. Okay. Well, you're on with the good doctor here. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing super. What kind of pet uh, question do you have here today? I have a cocker um, terrier. And, okay. Uh, he's about 14 years. He'll be 15. Okay. He's a senior fella then, huh? Yes, he is. He's a senior. And um, I was just curious because, okay, he already lost his eyesight in one eye. And then uh, he has... Um, a cataract in the other eye. You think okay. it's a good idea if I operate him? Or it's too um, 
Well, I mean, he is a bit up there in the years. Did these cataracts come on all of a sudden, or were they gradual? I guess gradually, but, you know, the doctor never told me the vet. When, when I when I took him, I said, well, it looks like if he has a, a cataract starting in his eye. And uh, mm-hmm. he says, uh, does he bump himself in places or whatever? I go, yes, he does at times. And so I just, he never told me to go to a specialist or nothing. And, and then when I mm-hmm. took him, it was already too late because the, the specialist, uh, she told me that, you know, that his eye was already scratching and all that, and, you know, she could really not do much, just give me some eye drops and some ointment, and that was it. So now, yeah. I, see his eye, now I see his eyes getting, well, it's getting white already. It kind of depends on what we're talking about getting white, um, as far as, because dogs can have cataracts, which are a whitening of the lens inside the eye, but they can also have a white change on the outer surface of the eye, the cornea. Um, and we can see that um, as well, especially in cocker spaniels. They can get some corneal disease as they get older. I, you know, I guess it's hard for me to say in that situation, but I would say that cataracts, yes, in an older pet, they can be addressed surgically, um, but it is a decision that I really kind of look at the pet's overall health and also how they've coped with their vision loss. Um, if your pet was a eight-year-old dog, I would not hesitate to recommend the surgery because it's wonderful for restoring vision. At 14, I think we have to kind of really look at um, our overall longevity and his overall health right now. Before we put him through a major surgery like that, um, I would just want to make sure that he's in good health and that's really in his best interest. Now, uh, the other, the right eye is getting wide. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if that's a recent change, then I would definitely have it at least checked out. Um, you know, if your veterinarian's not quite sure and can't tell what's going on, because sometimes it's a, um, a lot harder to see in through these eyes that are very hazy, then you might have to set up that visit with the ophthalmologist where they can use their special um, instruments to look further back into the eye to see if, you know, if it's worth, uh, worth the possibility. But I'd have to say, you know, 14 years of age, um, I would probably be focusing on making sure he's comfortable in those eyes, um, maybe rather than going for a full gun surgery to, to take cataracts out. But I would still well, say, go see and have that eye evaluated. I, I still think it's very important to make sure we treat for ongoing problems in there. Thanks for your call, Lisa. This is Animal, Animal. Animal. Radio Network. Network.